School of Broadcasting in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. It's Pure Gold with your host, David and Joe. Good evening, everyone. It is 6.01 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night, May 30th, 2012. Closing out the month of May in style, PG style. Welcome once again to a show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino and my tag team partner and co-host is David Gomez, sir. How are you? You're fabulous, sir. Ready to get the show under wraps. We've got a lot to cover and such a short amount of time to do it. Sir, the contact information. Folks, as always, if you'd like to call in 714-364-4721. Check out our website, puregoldpg.com, where you can hear all our past episodes. You can see our Facebook, our Twitter, and everything else. You can follow us there, check us out, interact with us. And, of course, check out the greatest show of all time. Did you have a good Memorial Day? Yeah, it was good. Didn't do much. Uh, sort of had a barbecue. Not really. Uh, visited my wife's family. It's always fun. Um, nah, you know, it was good. Can't complain. What about you? Same thing. The unofficial start to the, the summer. Of course. Definitely hot enough. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. So tonight on the program, we will be covering some wrestling talk, sir. We'll be talking about the upcoming pay-per-view. We'll talk about Raw last, uh two nights ago. We'll also dive into some baseball talk and talk about are the Mets for real and what a great start they've gotten off to. We'll we'll talk about some NBA playoffs together. And then finally, we'll try to close out the show with Mr. Kevin Kness again, talking about some NHL playoffs and go over some nuggets that I have, and I'm sure you have some too. Of course. So, sir, two nights ago, Monday Night Raw, Memorial Day. I always enjoy the the intros to like whenever there's a holiday like that because uh, WWE is very patriotic. They always do a good package to start the show. But I will f- be the first to admit that I did not watch one minute of Raw live. Although you tell me it was a a heavy big show show. Did you watch it at all? I did watch it last yesterday. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch it live either. Which oh, I oh I thought you did. I never did. No, no. I I, I never watched it live. For the most part, I think maybe last week, but I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, it was definitely a lot of big show. Uh, it was the big show for Mr. Paul White. Cena did not appear, thank goodness. It was great to not see John Cena on TV. Is that coincidence that he wasn't on the show for Memorial Day? No, he was selling the uh, you know the punch from the week before him. I'm sure that that's all it was. Although it would make no sense because the, the week before that, that Sunday, he got quote-unquote knocked out and he was there on Raw the next night. So, right. yeah, I don't know. He just wasn't there. Okay, so we had Big Show cut a promo, and they put some of the pieces together, as you were telling me. So explain that to the audience. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. You know, it was nice that for the first time in I don't know how long, the WWE actually made sense, and there was continuity in the product. Because if you remember a couple weeks ago when the Big Show got fired, right after he got fired, I mean, it was a horrible, horribly long, brutal segment. 
But immediately following that, Mr. Uh, Somebody Called My Mama, Brothers Clay, came out. And he was doing his dance and everything. The girls were going wild. Then later on, the worst promo in the history of wrestling, unless your name is Pyro Falcon, who, you know, should be banned from this show as far as I'm concerned after that moronic comment. But then John Cena cuts his horrible Ace Ventura promo, and Big Show tied back into that, how it annoyed him that nobody came to his defense, nobody said anything, nobody tried to petition the general manager, say, you know, Big Show's been here a long time, you know, save him. He and Cena, quote-unquote, are supposedly friends, and Cena didn't try to save him, and said he's cutting this stupid promo, which, of course, they showed clips of it. So I like the fact that WWE actually made sense out of this whole thing, instead of just, oh, you fans suck. It was, no, I feel, you know, unappreciated, and this is what happened, so... It was it was great that they actually somehow found a way to make it work, which actually makes me think that this was their plan all along because I can't imagine they would have stumbled on this. This is the same writing crew that came up with a stipulation, got it wrong the next night, and then had to fix it later on because of all the fans. So I'm pretty sure this was the WWE plan all along, sir. Did you know that the WWE is hiring a creative director? Yeah, um, this is our last week doing Pure Gold because... Uh, <laughs> I'll be doing that next week in Stanford. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we might as well get through this show because this is your last. <laughs> so, um, if you're talking about continuity, you're talking about Big Show and um, him fighting John Cena in two weeks at No Way Out right here in New Jersey. Cheap plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's he, he definitely fight, cheap. He fights in a steel cage match. If if you want to if you want to be consistent and with continuity, you have to have Big Show win this match. You could have a a, a you know somewhat weird finish or yeah, you fluky know finish. fluky finish. Uh, but you need to have Big Show win, sir. I agree. Uh, what's probably gonna happen is maybe Brock Lesnar will come out of some side effect. But honestly, I think the Big Show should dominate and actually win the match, unlike Brock, who of course dominated and then somehow lost. Uh, side note, you notice how the WWE does nothing but constantly bury Brock Lesnar? Did you notice in the promo, the Big Show, he called him out too, you know, without naming his name. Uh, Triple H called him out. I mean, all the WWE seems to do is, is knock this guy down from the pedestal that they brought him in on. Yeah, that that to me doesn't make any sense. Um, so Big Show, it was all about him. He cut the promo, and he, he also went backstage and, and confronted Brodus Clay, Sir, let me ask you this. Is it true that Bruce Clay has a concussion after Monday night? No. Come on. You know it's it's to tell the story. Uh, I'd like the fact if he, if he was off raw for a week, that would be a good thing. It was great to see a little bit of the air taken out of Brodus Clay's tires because, honestly, I mean, he's a big dude. My wife my wife pretty much vomits whenever he comes on the stage and she thinks it looks ridiculous and the guy shouldn't be a wrestler. Uh, but, you know, he... He comes out, does a stupid dance, does all these squash matches. They tried to build him up a little bit more. But I thought this was good because it shows that he is human and Big Show took him out and still keeps him undefeated, which is a good thing. So the WWE, uh, you know, they definitely get thumbs up for me in, in that regard. Somebody called my mama. Somebody did and she did not pick up. <laughs> nice. Um, so what else on Raw? Um, I have some notes here on um, some other nuggets throughout the show. Dolph Ziggler, I mean, is this the beginning of a face turn? I think it is the beginning of the face turn, much to the chagrin of uh, da, Doug, Le, Doug Mortman, Dave LeGrack, and all those other wackos out there. And we love Doug and Dave, don't get us wrong. But, I mean, the fact that these guys, and I can't say what I said to you off the air, but, I mean, it's like these guys are actually in love with some of these wrestlers. And I honestly don't understand it. I've mentioned, I said this before, Dolph is talented, no doubt. But, I mean, these guys act like they want to they kiss him on the lips and have his children. It just, it kind of makes me sick listening to these fans that Dolph Ziggler is the greatest thing since, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, and The Undertaker, 
all combined. Oh, and, and Andre the Giant all combined. I mean, come on, folks, get a grip. Same thing with A-Double, Austin Aries. I mean, you know, these guys are good, but let, let's calm down, please. I think it is the beginning of a face turn for him, which will be a good thing. They need to move him to SmackDown. He actually has the, uh, he actually fights Sheamus this this uh, Friday on SmackDown, which is set to be a good match, which is a plus in my book for Dolph Ziggler. And they need to get him away from Vicky and Swagger. Turn on them. Just just turn him face. Do something. He needs a change, sir. Well, hopefully they do that because um, I think that Ziggler has the potential. I'm not gonna be like in love with him like you said some other people are. But um, I think that, you know, a face turn would be good for him, and we'll see where that goes. Absolutely. Um, what else? Uh, the CM Punk-Daniel Bryan storyline continues. We had a match non-title, and Daniel Bryan beat CM Punk. Well, you know, fluky finish again, but still, that furthers their storyline, and they'll probably be wrestling, what, you think a submission match and No Way Out or something like that? You know what? No, I don't. I think what they're going to do is they're going to prolong this feud, which is a good thing, and they're going to add Kane into the mix, so I believe without a shadow of a doubt... Actually, it was made, it was made, you know, here we are spoiling it for you folks, those of you who haven't watched SmackDown, it will be a triple threat match at No Way Out, which is good because it allows Kane to be in there, give him a little push, as it were, keep the Brian Punk storyline furthered, and not have him in another singles match, so I liked it, and speaking of matches, that match on Monday was awesome, very good match. It was a good match. Do you find it weird, though, whenever a heel gets beat up by another heel? No, because I think Kane in this role is kind of playing the tweener. I don't think he's a face or a heel. He's just doing whatever he wants, kind of going through the both of them. Brian is clearly the heel. Uh, Punk clearly the face. So uh, I thought that was a, that was a smart move on their part, like I said, to extend the feud and extend the life of it because you have two guys wrestling every week, week in, week out, month after month. It does get old in this era that we have, this PG era of, you know, 15 pay-per-views or 12 pay-per-views or whatever it is now. So, uh, you know, 500 shows a year practically. How about the fact also on the show – the fact that our our boy, I don't want to make it seem like this is our boy, but you know we we feel like he has a lot of potential. He main event at WrestleMania. Now he cuts these promos and gets RKO'd by Randy Orton. You're talking about uh, Dave LaGreca's favorite. And speaking of Dave, I want to get him on the show just so I can ask him why he hates the Miz so much. Well, I think what they're doing, sir, I'm pretty sure they're substituting the Miz for Chris Jericho because Jericho is on you know day six of his suspension as he's tweeting some hilarious things. You got to follow him on Twitter at I am Jericho. But aside from that, I think that because he's out, Warren needs something to do. Miz is going to slot right in. It'll be interesting. He'll get crushed, I'm sure. But uh, the Miz has pretty much been, I mean, you can't possibly fall further. No one has ever fallen further than Miz. There's no doubt about it. He was the champion going into WrestleMania. Main, the actual final match, the main event for the WWE title, he won, and he's been jobbing ever since. You mentioned Chris Jericho. Why don't you catch up the audience about what happened to Chris Jericho? Well, Chris Jericho was in Brazil, and well, WWE is in Brazil, and they had this whole tour and everything they were doing. And you know, Jericho trying to get some old school heat actually took the Brazilian flag with CM Punk had brought into the ring, threw it on the floor, kicked it, and apparently the uh, the police in Brazil wanted to arrest Chris Jericho. He was forced, they stopped the match before it even started. He was forced to issue an apology, which I saw online. Wasn't much of an apology. And the crowd really could care less. They were not at all. There was no real heat. I know what he was going for, but the Brazilian people were very blind. You could hear it. They they just didn't care about that. But the fact that this crossed the line for them and it's against the law and they really took it overboard to me, just, I, I don't know. It makes no sense. I think that they really are pushing it. 
it, they used to do this type of stuff all the time, but, you know, it is what it is. Jericho is gone for 30 days, so he'll be back in about three and a half weeks. Yeah, the one example that I think about is during the Attitude Era when Shawn Michaels would do that with the Canadian flag. I guess, you know, you upset Brazil and it's all about the money. You want to come back to that country, so you want to appease the government, so you suspend Jericho. Yeah, and since it was their first time there, they definitely did it just to appease Jericho. Because think about it, uh, just to appease Brazil, because think about it, Jericho is not Randy Orton or John Cena or one of their main, main guys, like... Jericho's there kind of doing his thing now, but he's not there week in, week out, every day, all year long. He does Fozzie, he does his other things. So I think, you know, it was a bit of an overreaction, but they absolutely did it for a PR move. Okay. Two more things I have on WWE and want to get your thoughts Woo! on it. Um, just the um, one of the greatest rivalries of all time is the HBK Bret Hart, and I know that you watched some of that DVD. Give me some highlights from that DVD, and may I borrow it, please? <laughs> As far as borrowing it, uh, we'll see. As far as the DVD, I mean, it just got the whole interview is amazing between uh, Jim Ross, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. Just the back and forth, the comments that they make, the insight that they offer. It's amazing. I love the fact that they did this. They got to produce a Rock Austin uh, DVD because that's another great rivalry. Or even Austin Vince, that would be a great. Vince doesn't do those. Type, he does do some interviews, but I can't imagine Vince sitting there for an hour doing an interview like that. That would be awesome. Um, did you learn anything new from watching the DVD? Well, you learned just how much respect Sean and Brett had for each other, how much they, you know, they, they really did. They were friends. They got along. It's just that once Sean kind of, and he admitted it, once he got a little bit bigger, he got a big head, and, you know, he started to get known more, and he was WWF champion. He just kind of, like, lost it a bit. His ego got in the way. And Sean did not, I don't think that Sean regretted what he did, only in the sense that what Brett was doing was bad for business. There's no doubt in my mind that Vince and Sean made the right call, Brett, but Brett should have never forced them to make that call. He should have given in. He should have given them the title, and that's it. Lost to Sean. But you do get a lot of insight. You get a lot of uh, feedback from them, which is cool. The first time they did it. I saw the HBK Hall of Fame induction speech in, in its entirety for the first time. I have to watch the Bret Hart one. It's got some great extras, some good matches. and I mean, it's just it's, a, it's an excellent DVD set, and it's on sale for like 10 or 15 bucks at this point, so it's a must-have for any real wrestling fan. After watching the DVD, though, I mean, the one question I always have was, are you convinced that Bret Hart, because Bret Hart, according to Bret Hart, he said he was going to drop the strap the next night on Monday Night Raw. Do you think that he was going to do that? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I would hope that he would, but at the same time, he his refusal to do the job the way that the WWE wanted it, considering this is scripted television, it wasn't good. I mean, Brett probably would have done it to have, to have not not have left completely on horrible terms. But um, I don't know. Honestly, I can't answer that. I think it's a, it's a fifty fifty chance. I think he just as easily would not could not have done it as he as he would have done it. And the one thing Vince could not have had happen was to have the WWF title show up on WCW. Of course not. What happened with Medusa? You can't have that happen with your WWF title with, with your prize, you know, your pride and joy, as it were. Right. Although it's been totally devalued with the spinner bling crap, Jackson five belt, horrible, scum sucking moose turd, right? Piece of garbage. <laughs> it makes me want to throw up. It makes me sick. That's enough that time for that. Ridiculous title. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, talk about the uh, game that's coming out. You make us all sick. WWE 13. Yeah, let's talk about WWE 13. Uh, it's got an interesting cover. You know, I can't get into too many details because there's not that much available. What is available, though, there's gonna be it's gonna be the biggest roster ever. Seventy-seven characters, thirty-eight from the current generation. If I'm not, if my math is correct, 
seven divas, seven current divas, and 32 Attitude Era stars. I noticed the WWE Attitude Era logo in the corner. They're going to basically try to do is uh, rebuild, recreate some storylines. You're going to have, a, I think it's eight separate characters you can pick from to have a, uh, a storyline with. And it's going to have a lot of the older, you know, mid-90s, late-90s guys that we all know and love, like the uh, the Undertaker who, in his Attitude Era version, Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously The Rock, uh, Mankind, who I've seen. Um, I'm sure they're going to have a big show in that iteration. Jericho back then. You're going to have, from what I read, there's a list online. Not sure how accurate it is. You're going to have old school Edge and Christian. You're going to have the New Age Outlaws, uh, two of our awesome guests, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog. I mean, the way that it looks, the, the new system, the way that everything is set up, the fact that they're mixing the old and the new, I just love it and I think it's great. But it goes to show you just how bad the current WWE is that they have to go back to the past. So true. Um, so John Laurinaitis is on the cover? No. <laughs> no. Just kidding. <laughs> CM Punk is actually on the cover. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Punk is getting mainstream attention. It's a good thing. I, yeah, he's on the cover, but why don't you have a guy main event a Raw? Why don't you have a main <laughs> event a pay-per-view? Then I'll be impressed. You can put him on all the covers you want. You can put him on the on a cover of a box of tampons for all I care, but get this guy in the main event of a pay-per-view, please. Please. I agree with you there because CM Punk – is probably the most underutilized WWE champion and most under you know undervalued I think because he could be such a great WWE champion. Um, so just turning our attention for a couple minutes towards TNA, we don't really talk about them, but starting tomorrow, sir, TNA Impact goes live. Is that a good, bad, or who cares thing? I think it's a good thing, but I, I think it's kind of like the it may be the death knell for TNA. This needs to be something that they make successful. This has to be their highlight. They have a title match between Bobby Roode and Sting. Sting cannot win this title. Roode, who is the longest reigning TNA champion in history, just recently passing uh, AJ Styles. He he got up to like 212 days. Uh, he thinks he's about 220 and some change now. Um, you got to have Roode keep it, sir. You got to have him hold on to it. He's been a great champion. We discussed this earlier today. But... The live aspect of it is makes it. I'm gonna tune into TNA. I don't tune into TNA. I read the spoilers sometimes. If I see something interesting, which is almost never, I will watch clips of it. But the fact is that doing this, making the live version, it can be a good thing, sir. It can be a very, very good thing, and I hope that it is because the WWE needs competition. It's it's bad because they don't see TNA as a threat. TNA needs to become a threat. I'm hoping this is a step in the right direction. Yep, and I, I'm trying to think. Slam reversary is that their WrestleMania pay per view? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so, but really, if I'm not mistaken, their actual quote-unquote WrestleMania is bound for glory. That's their big pay-per-view, so I believe Slammiversary is just kind of like Starcade, a, a version of Starcade. and I know for those of you old-school wrestling fans, Starcade was WrestleMania, quote-unquote, for WCW, but I mean just in, names of the, in terms of the name of the, of the pay-per-view, but really it's just, uh, it really is bound for glory, that's their big pay-per-view. Well, the reason why I asked is because they number this one, so I figured why not have this their big paper you like they're calling this slam anniversary 10 no oh, jeez yeah that's, that's that's wonderful sir but like <laughs> i said hopefully tna will get their heads out of the gutter i mean brooke hogan is in charge of knockouts what she knows about wrestling i have no clue i know she was raised in the hogan household but i, I don't know sir that can be a bad thing for tna but i'm hoping that like i said they'll turn things around i mean they, they have to there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it and the one other thing about tna is that matt morgan's contract is up and um would you want him in the wwe you know, I everyone I'm gonna have to go with the uh, standard Pat, you know, busted open nation. You know, I hate that term, but everything is a nation. So we're gonna have the pure, the PG nation. But I have to go with the standard answer of you know he's very talented and 
a lot of people seem to love him and think he'd be a great fit in the WWE. He was there once before, so hopefully, uh, you know, if he does come, that'd be that'd be a cool thing. I don't, you know, I, I can't say one way or another. I'm not a Matt Morgan fan. I don't know a lot of his work. I just know that a lot of the internet wrestling community is in love with the guy and wants to have his children. <laughs> I've seen him enough to know that he's pretty good. Uh, I think he's good on the mic, decent on the mic at least. And he's just another big man that could. Well, he you know, can't be worse than Randy Orton. Right. He's got that same Goldberg, Sheamus build. Right. So. You know, if he does come, the W the WWE will find a way to ruin him. <laughs> that is a fact. Sir. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, sir. Do you have any what ifs? I do have some what ifs. Um, what if this show was two hours long? That's what I'd like to start with. <laughs> It'd be even better. Uh, you're right. Um, you know, since we're talking about wrestling, let's go into a couple of what ifs here, sir. We talked about last week. What if someone other than Vince had bought WCW? Let me ask you this, sir. What if Bret Hart? did not leave for WCW at the 97 Screwjob. Since we touched on it later, it's only apropos that we mention it now. I think that if Brett didn't leave, I think you'd have Shawn Michaels still feuding with him and eventually take the strap to off this him. Day? No. I mean, right after that, you'd have the, the feud continue, and I think that was a great feud, a great rivalry. I just think that um, by Brett not leaving... He'd be on top of the, you know, the top of the food chain. He'd still be main eventing a lot more, and he'd probably be the person that's carrying the company until, you know, maybe until the next WrestleMania when Shawn Michaels would take it off of him. Well, see, I was thinking that if they had kept that feud going, you could have had a nice Royal Rumble feud. I mean, you could have really kept it at the major pay-per-views, and I think that it probably would have culminated in a WrestleMania 14 rematch. But see, my thing is this: you can't have Shawn. I guess you could because Austin did it, you know, so many times with. With uh, Mr. Rock, Rocky Maivia, he went over him two different times. You could, you already had WrestleMania 12, which is on the DVD, by the way. Good match, set. great match. Um, you could have had Sean win at Survivor Series. The, the whole landscape of the company would have changed because then Stone Cold would not have been thrust into the main event scene, so wrestling would have been totally different. Um, but at the end, at WrestleMania 14, you could have had Brett beat Sean for the title. So have Sean hold it from uh, Survivor Series until WrestleMania. I don't think you can have the two of them again, Brett as champ, and then Sean leaving with the title to WrestleManias. You can make the argument that if Brett didn't leave, the Attitude Era would have never happened. Well, they were in the midst of the Attitude Era because think about it. DX was there. DX was the precursor to what was the full-blown Attitude Era, the original DX, because obviously when Sean left, DX continued. But... What I what would be interesting to me is what if that had happened because then again Stone Cold does not get put in that spotlight and we never have an Austin 316 blasphemous filth that that is and we probably wouldn't have had Austin at the top and that would have totally changed the landscape. The Rock maybe never would have come about. I mean, so many different things sir would have changed. That's a huge what if, sir. I totally agree. Now, um, in my in my case, I don't know if that's the best case scenario. What if? But I think that what should have happened there is that. Brett should should have done the job, lost to Sean, and again go on to WrestleMania 14. And hell, maybe you could have even had triple threat, Sean, Austin, and Brett, just to kind of throw that in there. All right, one for you, sir, and then we'll take a timeout, come back, and talk some NBA playoffs before Woo! before Knessa comes on. Sir, what if WrestleMania one was a failure and Vince lost? A lot of money. <laughs> well, if WrestleMania 1 had been a failure, I think the WWE would have folded. I don't think it would still be here. They would, well, the WWF, there would never have been a, a World Wrestling Entertainment because World Wrestling Federation would have collapsed. Everything was riding on the success of WrestleMania. There's no way that if WrestleMania 1 doesn't doesn't succeed to the level that it did because it, it combined – it started the whole rock and wrestling area. It combined, you know, Cindy Lauper and all these other guys, Liberace, 
um, Liberace, you know, Muhammad Ali, all these icons, you know, from a little from previous time, Lawper being an 80s icon. I mean, it was just so out there and so extravagant that if, if Vince fails, if there is no Hulk Hogan, if there is no WrestleMania, I honestly think the WWF would have gone under in a couple of years and then we were looking at NWA, WCW dominating the landscape. What about you, sir? What do you think? I think the WWF would still be there. I just think it would be not as big. It's still... Wait, how could you say that it would still be there? Every, Vince had everything riding on it, all his money, all the chips. If this failed, he probably would have gone bankrupt and lost everything. He could have still had house shows, sir, and still carried the company uh, that way. What, what are you talking about, house shows? Who who would have been wrestling these house shows? Everybody would have lost their job. Vince would have lost everything. What are you talking about, house shows? I don't remember every, anywhere in the DVD that I have about Vince or about the story of WrestleMania about saying that he would have went bankrupt if WrestleMania... He would have lost... Yeah, because they don't talk about it. He would have lost everything, sir. He had Hogan as his star. He had Piper as his other star. I mean, this was it. This was the this was the greatest spectacle in the history of wrestling and sports entertainment. WrestleMania fails. WWF is done. He probably could have sold Steph and Shane on the black market, though. Yeah, who the hell would want those two? I mean, a young Paul Levesque. I mean, if if you go that route, none of these stars would have been made. And, and again, they probably would be, uh, you know, bumming for gas like Hogan said in his infamous 1996 Bash of the Beach NWO promo. They would have been bumming for gas while uh, Hogan, you know, whoever else, or Ric Flair was riding high in WCW. If any of you have any what-ifs or any wrestling talk, again, 714-364-4721. Yeah, and of course, you could also email them at puregoldpg@yahoo.com. Sir, time out. Some NBA playoffs when we get back. This is Alicia from WSU Wrestling, and you need to tune into Pure Gold every week, the best talk radio out there. So make sure you listen to me and other guests at puregoldpg.com. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez with Texas USA 2011, and I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold. Welcome back, folks. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. And make sure to tune in every week to Pure Gold for the best interviews and talk radio. Joe and David are the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Welcome back, folks. It's Pure Gold. It's Wednesday night, May 30th, sir. Before we get Kevin on the phone to talk about some NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs were in the, the conference finals both the Eastern and Western Conference. We have San Antonio, the the juggernaut, the 20-0 San Antonio Spurs taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. NRA, they won the first two games. You think it's a foregone conclusion that the series is over? Yep, done. Lock it up. Throw away the key. GTH, Joe, right. GTH. Tell me why, because I'm going to argue the fact that they still haven't played in Oklahoma well, you're yet. You're a fool. You're an absolute buffoon. You're going to sit here and tell me that the Spurs... Are- you, you you told me off the air, right? You you you're supposed to be the basketball expert here. I know as much basketball as probably you know the average uh, lay lay person, the average sports fan. But if the Spurs are twenty and zero, they've won twenty straight games. They're undefeated in the playoffs. They're some playoffs, some playoffs. You're telling me that they're gonna go and lose two in a row in Oklahoma? Come on, G T H R I H, make us all sick. So. You are nuts. One game, yes, I'll give you. They can lose one, but not two in a row. No chance in hell. Well, the 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 way the playoffs go, sir, since you don't know anything about the playoffs, is that if 
if the Oklahoma City Thunder do lose Game Three, then yes, it will end in Game Four. But if Oklahoma wins Game Three, Game Four is going to be a real good game to watch. No, wrong. I I know playoffs. I know playoffs. I know how playoffs work, sir. No, you don't. Don't insult me. Don't insult my intelligence. Don't insult my family. But what I'm saying is that if the Thunder win Game Three, all right, you know it's a series again. But you you really believe that the undefeated Spurs, 20 games in a row, who are on fire. Tony Parker carrying this team to a title. You're telling me they're going to lose two in a row? Are you nuts? Are you out of your mind? Are you on drugs? I still think San Antonio wins a series, but I think it's going to go six or seven. Nope. Five at most. Lock it up. Pure gold. Lock it a week. The San Antonio Spurs win in four, most likely in five. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Let's talk about my beloved Celtics, sir. Sunday night was game one. And let's, let's just say the Celtics, they laid a deuce. <laughs> they laid a big old steaming deuce. Um, you know, I watched the end of the of the previous series of the Celtics. You know, they they pulled it out against the Seventy Sixers. But sir, I mean, come on, you 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 make us all sick with that effort they pulled on, on Monday. What was that? They looked tired. They looked old. There was no Chris Bosh, and then LeBron James and Dwayne Wade had a great ser- had a great game. So the fact that Chris Bosh isn't even playing, the, the Heat are at a disadvantage, and they still stomped on the Celtics. Come on. Do the Celtics have any chance of winning the series? You tell me. You're the big Celtics fan. You're wearing Celtics puke green right now. Tell me, sir. I, I <laughs> They're going to have to win tonight or else the series is over. And then they're going to have to win game three, their first home game in Boston to have a chance to win the series. If they lose one of the next two games, either tonight or game three, the series is over in four or five. You're right, but uh, gut gut check. Give me a gut check. What do you think? Gut feeling. What are we looking at here? Every time I think this team is about to give up, I think they have a great performance. They know this is the last run, the last ride. All those uh, metaphors you want to use for this team, they're old. They're going to break it up. What's funny is you you actually – I remember last year when we were doing our show, we had Lloyd Rubenstein. You talked about how last year was the last run for the Big Three, and you had the Big Three are again in the Eastern Conference well, Finals. That's what happens when somebody like Derrick Rose gets hurt, and then the, all of a sudden the, the, the playoffs are turned upside down. I mean, the Celtics were able to get in there because the Bulls weren't the Bulls anymore, and the Heat, you know, they're, they're just as good as last year. So, you know, let's see if the Celtics could manage a win tonight. They're going to have to play gritty. They're going to have to play more physical and try not to take stupid technical fouls. Give me your prediction right now. I want to hear what is it. Tonight, I think the Celtics will win a game of 92-90. to 90. Okay, what's the, what's the prediction for the series? I'm still going to go with Celtics in seven. Okay, that's good enough for me, sir. Sir, we have someone on the line. We do? Oh, that's right. It's not Sal Licata. No, it, it is not It's not Sal Sid Rosenberg. It is not Sid Rosenberg. It is not Mr. Matt. It is not Mike Francesa. But it is the one and only Barack Obama, a.k.a. Kevin Canessa. Sir, this is like the ninth week in a row you've joined us. How are you doing? Okay, David. How are you, buddy? Hello, Joe. <laughs> hey, Kev. Doing good, sir. I'm looking forward to having a one-on-one conversation with you tonight, Joe, as usual. <laughs> well, you know what? Before we start with our NHL talk... Uh, we have Mets talk, too. Yeah, so. we, we do have Mets talk. I have a question for you. I know that you're you're good friends with this person. I mean, you guys are practically brothers, uh, separated at birth, from, from what I can tell. Joe sent me some interesting tweets and some interesting things. As we know, Mr. Sidney Arthur Rosenberg has had quite a past of, you know, drugs, unfortunately, substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, we, we wish him well, but he keeps getting fired from jobs. He just got fired from his gig in Miami. Now he has a new gig. I, I'm not sure exactly where the place was because Joe was the one who told me about it. Let me ask you, do you, again, as somebody who knows him, do you think this is a good thing for Sid? 
or is this a bad thing? Personally, I think it, it, you know he's got an issue. He needs to deal with it, and it, it's he keeps getting enabled to do it. But give me your take, sir. Uh, this, this is very tough for me to talk about. Um, uh, let, let me start off by saying this. I know all the facts, at least from what Sid has told me, about what happened on the day he was arrested on the DWI charge. Uh, there are certain things I can't say because there's a legal case, and if I say anything about it, it could be affected on his legal case, and I don't want to get any get anyone into any kind of trouble. I certainly don't want to have to fly down to Florida to testify because I have secondhand knowledge of this. What I will tell you is the following, that when he was arrested a couple of weeks ago on this DWI charge, it was the first time he had a drink in a couple of years. And unfortunately, sometimes when you have addictions, the moment you fall off the wagon, it's automatically rock bottom. And that's sort of what happened here. You know, he is the guy who was trying not to drink, but uh, something happens uh, during the course of the day. You have a bad day. He goes and he has a drink, and he had too many drinks, and he got into a car, and and he, he got caught. That said... What happened at WQAM, I think, is despicable because when you think about it, he did a number of remote broadcasts, and so many of those remote broadcasts were done at at, uh, alcohol-serving establishments, bars, uh, clubs, things of that nature. And I know hindsight is 20-20, but WQAM was Sid's greatest enabler because they kept on sending him to all these places that a recovering alcoholic should not be going to. Uh, and unfortunately, when you're making money and you're in this business, you have to go where your boss tells you to go. But unfortunately, I don't think WQAM did justice to this situation at all by sending him to all these remotes where there, there were bars. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's just a very tempting situation uh, to put an alcoholic in, and that's exactly what happened here. Okay, And that's what happened on numerous occasions. They sent him to all these places, Tootsies, all these other uh, Miami establishments, where alcohol was served. So I think if you want to talk about enabling, I think WQAM did a damn good job of enabling him and then firing him for the same reason that they sent him there. So that drives me crazy. Now, uh, on the other hand, I I always believe in redemption, and I really believe Sid when he tells me that it was the first time he had a drink in in a couple of years. Uh, He's been clean with gambling. He's been been going to meetings for the longest time. He hasn't gambled in a long time, which is another one of his biggest vices. And I believe in redemption. So I think when all is said and done, you're going to find that situation was not as bad as it was, especially that whole thing about him being in a fetal position, vomiting in the street, in the middle of the street. And you're going to find that that this new radio station, which which is a ridiculous call letter, W-M-E-N, where he's going to wind up. <laughs> uh, it's really kind of ridiculous, but I, I think I think that you, you'll find that he, he's he's worthy of going back there. And um, I just now, now here's the other thing too. You know, he did have one. He did have that night of drinking, and I, I'm not quite sure what going to rehab or or something of that nature would do to help because it was just a one time thing. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done it since. I doubt he's going to do it again. I think he certainly learned from this mistake. So I'm not so sure. Um, if he were to go to rehab, it would make much of a difference at this point. Uh, but the demons are there, and I do hope that these new people he, he's working with are cognizant of that, and they don't put him in a damn situation that might tempt him to take another day. That's that's the bottom line. All right, sir. I mean, definitely wish Sid the best of luck 
not only his you know his life but also the the upcoming radio gig that is coming and um what we really had you on sir to i mean because we want to just find out from you if he's okay and you know he has another another opportunity to make things right you know not only professionally but in his life so definitely wish him the best of luck sir and um and since we know yeah. that you're a close personal friend just want to get your take on that but sir talking about and, and I, and I, go ahead. i'm going to certainly let him know i'm going to certainly let him know because he's got a lot of admiration for you guys too so i will certainly let him know that you are asking for him and uh and i'm sure he's going to be very happy thank you great great Talking about the Mets, sir, uh, since, you know, we're going to have a one-on-one conversation in about ten minutes, five, ten minutes. Uh, we're talking about the Mets. Uh, since last week, you know, they came home, longest homestand, longest homestand of the year. They took three or four against San Diego, which, you know, you would like to take in all four, but uh, the rain delay, it just caused the Mets to, you know, just be in a funk that game. And they, they were able to bounce back and, you know, really dominate San Diego, which you'd like to see. And so far, they're one-on-one against Philly. And then they have a, a tough four games against the Cardinals, and then they hit the road, sir, against Washington, uh, the Nationals, and then the Yankees. So, uh, what do you? I mean, obviously you want to win the series tonight, and uh, the fact that Roy Holiday is uh, going to be missing for about six to eight weeks is a good sign for the Mets too, in terms of that they'll be in the division for I think for a while now, but. Can they keep this up uh, with these? Uh, we keep asking this week in and week out, but can they keep this up with these minor league ball players? Well, it's it's interesting. I listened this morning to uh, to uh, to Joe and Evan on, on my way into work, and the, the the same question came up, and it just seems like everybody's response is, "What reason have you seen not to believe it can't continue?" You know, they haven't gone on a prolonged losing streak. They've shown you for every every tough loss that they can bounce back right away, and they 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 they, they just seem to be a resilient bunch of guys who most people don't know and who continue to just baffle people. So at this point, Joe, I don't see any reason why they can't. I I, I really don't. I just think that they just keep going out every single night. They're playing over their heads, which is which is wonderful. And uh, I, I, I see no reason. I mean, the, the, the fact that they've already taken six of eight from Philadelphia is remarkable. I mean, nobody would think that. I know Philadelphia has been decimated with injuries and all this other nonsense, yeah. but they played substantially well, and they played very well in the division. So, so yeah, I, th- I, I, don't th- I don't think this is going to end at any time. But then again, we haven't hit the All-Star break, and we know what happens every time we hit the All-Star break is when the, the, the crime usually begins. That so, is true, and, Kevin, but, you know, not to cut you off, but, um, you know, this is, the, I think, the third or fourth week that we've talked about the Mets, and I'm going to be uh, optimistic for once. And it's like I was listening to Mike Francesa opening, show, opening the show today, and I believe that the Mets, nobody's told these guys that they're just not that good. I don't think anybody's told the Mets that they don't have a lot of talent because they just, everybody contributes Everybody helps out. They bring in uh, Jeremy, uh, you know, Heffernan, as I like to call him, from uh, King of Queens. I mean, this guy hits a home run. It looks like John Main, goofier John Main. Guy hits a home run as a pitcher, winning performance. Scott Hairston, who ironically has none. This guy's hitting, you know, two-run bombs over the, you know, bullets over the left field wall. Leads the team in home runs with six, which is a joke, by the way. But the fact that the Mets have no, uh, you know, power. But they still find a way to win. They're six games over. They're doing great. And I just think that this team believes that they can win. I think that Terry Collins has got them believing that they're winners. And ultimately, that's what matters because, like Mike pointed out, the Yankees have all this talent, and guys find ways not to come through. But the Mets, you know, with the limited resources, they find ways to win, and and it's wonderful. 
and they're doing this without any offense from from Ike Davis. They're doing yep. this with Jason Bay out, which really doesn't matter. They're doing this with a not so phenomenal season from Lucas Duda, and uh, they're doing this with Mike Pelfrey gone. I mean, it's it's. I mean, all those all those factors. In 2009, this sort of thing happens. That's when the team started to, to, to really tank. They just haven't done it. And and the beauty of it is, David, in the beginning of the season, I laughed when, when, when we heard Sandy Alderson and also Terry Collins saying the same thing about how this is a fun team. Don't tell us we don't have talent because they don't want to know that. They don't want to hear it. They're, they're a great bunch of guys. They're going to be fun to watch. And both of them have been precisely correct about that so far. You know, this may not be a big, uh, uh, there might not be a super superstar on this team, but is there, has there been a single night? I mean, I really can't think of maybe except uh, down in Florida a couple of weeks ago of a night where if I were watching the game, I would have turned it off and said, I can't watch this anymore. Because the truth is, even if they, you know, if they, even if they, they fall behind, they've rallied and they've won ninth inning games a couple of times. They've had a bunch of comfortable behind wins. And, they're just a really enjoyable team to watch. And to be honest, with all uh, this, this uh, series against Philadelphia and my living in the Philadelphia area now, I love it even more because the Phillies fans are all panicking and ready to jump off the Ben Franklin Bridge. It's wonderful. <laughs> You're leading them there like the Pied Piper, I'm sure. Right? Exactly. Well, th- they have one more game against Philly, so I'm going to ask both of you gentlemen, and then four games with St. Louis. What will you take in the next five games? I take three and two. Yeah, yeah, I would take three and two too, and and I think they would too. But the thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if they went five and zero. Oh. That's the that's or four and one, and that's, that's the beauty of this team that they 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 surprised us. This way, they all take a take this one over five hundred. They they go out and they win five in a row or six in a row. So nothing would be surprising to be honest with you. I'm like, I'm on it. Yeah, since nobody's running away with this division and there's two wild cards, I think this puts a lot of pressure on the Wilpons and uh, the Wilponsies. Yeah, and Sandy Alderson. Um, do you think that the Mets will be buyers if uh, come by the All-Star break? They're still within, I don't know, two or three games of the, the wild card? Which I'm, I'm sure they will be within a few games of the wild card. Right. Do, do they yeah. go out there and buy a pitcher or buy a hitter? Well, here's the thing. I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. We still don't know what the financial situation is. You know, they have this payment that they have to make. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to speculate what kind of money they're going to have to spend but then the question then becomes where do you where do you uh, where do you go and where do you buy and, and there's there, cause there are a couple of areas the bullpen needs help a little bit uh, it would be nice to get a, a, another big starter it would be nice to get a, a nice hitting outfielder or something of that nature but again how much do you need uh, where do you need it and where's the money coming from so I still want to hear a little bit more about the financial situation before I'm ready to say yeah they should be buyers although it would be nice. I just don't know if we know enough yet about the finances, whether they could afford to. Because I, 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 am I missing something? Have, have they talked about the finances? No, no really they haven't. Much, right? They haven't talked about the finances. The truth is, like, you know, we're, we're never really going to know what the actual finances are because we're not in the in the midst of it with with the Mets. But I think the danger, and this is what I'm afraid of, of course, being uh, trying to be pessimistic, is that they're thinking we don't need any help. We're playing so well. Come the All Star break, there's still six, seven games over 500. They're going to say we don't have to add anybody, and then things will start to go south. So I'm hoping they do get somebody. They definitely need bullpen help. But um, you know, I mean, they need a left fielder. They need bullpen help. They need a lot of things. But I don't, you know, I don't think that the Mets are. I mean, you know, I'm not. A, I don't love Daniel Murphy. I don't love Justin Turner. These guys have some talent, but. You know, I think Lucas Duda has some promise. Mike Davis, I think, will ultimately be good. He's starting to turn around a little bit. Jason Bay, he's, 
he's got to go. But it, it's like you said, where do they pick from and where do they go? And I think the danger, again, is that they may just say, well, we're doing great. Why ruin it? And then things will go bad. Well, you know what? I, I think we've got to give a little bit more credit to te- uh, to, to Sandy Alderson here. Right? I, I think even if they continue to play over their heads, get to the all-star break and around the trade deadline, which is, what, the end of July, right? Middle or, of July, July 15th or so. I think oh, no, you're right. around there. You're right, you're right. You're right. So Sandy's going to see that, and and he he knows he knows very well that this, that this is a, an overachieving team here. So I think if he's got them, if if the Wilpons come out and say, here's your here's your budget, stay within your means, I, I don't think he would hesitate to pull pull a, pull a trigger on a deal. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to say, go ahead and do it. We've got the finances that we can back this up. So that's what my biggest concern would be. Not so much that they stay stand put. But more that that uh, that Fred will and Jeff will turn to to Sandy and say, "Listen, we still don't know what's going on with this lawsuit and the settlement. We have X amount of dollars. We still got to raise. We can't go spending any money on anybody." So that's my biggest fear. Yeah, we've got four bucks here. Go buy yourself a sandwich and uh, and help us win. Exactly. Go to the Shake Shack and enjoy a burger. That's about <laughs> it. So. <laughs> so Kev, we got plenty of time to talk about baseball because you know it's a uh, it's a long season, the the summer months. But we're here to talk about. Game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, baby! Yep, and that's right. Our beloved New Jersey Devils have made it. They <laughs> Wait, beat the Rangers. Your beloved New Jersey Devils? When they when they go into the playoffs, I become a Devil fan. Yes. <laughs> so, sir, let me ask you. Game six had that deja vu feeling of 1994, where the Devils jumped out to a two nothing lead, and then the Rangers stormed back. But luckily, not luckily, I think that the Devils just uh, were able to to you know seize the momentum again. And then in the overtime, sir. Uh, there was a great chance in the first minute, or even less than a minute, that the Rangers had. Rangers uh, don't score. Devils come back, and luckily the referee doesn't lose sight of the puck because he could have easily blown the whistle if he loses sight of the puck, and Henrique buries it. Tell me, how vindicated are you from 1994 from the whole Matteau situation? Well, the funny thing is, I never told you this uh, on Friday night, Joe, but there were about 12 text messages that I was about to send you that I deleted and didn't send because I was getting all paranoid with all the com- comparisons to 1994. 2-0 uh, after, peri- after the first period in both games. Uh, Devils give up the 2 nothing lead in both games in 1994. And I'm starting to think here, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going to happen again. And we're going to game seven, and it's going to be the same thing where the Rangers just winning game seven and they go to the finals. But you you seem to have this real incredible... Uh, positive feeling about this whole this whole series throughout. You kept me sane throughout it, and w- w- once it got into overtime, I just threw my hands in the air and said, I, 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 "Whatever happens, just let it happen fast." And I actually tweeted that, and no sooner did I tweet that, did Henry score that goal. With that said, and most people will not believe me, that that to me was probably the most. I think exciting moment in the history of this franchise, and and that says a lot for a team that's won three Stanley Cups and has been in four finals before this. That a game in the Eastern Conference Finals would be the most exciting and intense game in the history of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, Simply, even considering even considering the Devils won a Stanley Cup in overtime against the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. That's right. That's right. Despite the the, the overtime goal that Jason Arnott scored uh, back that year. Uh, it, 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 this was different. It was home. It was the most intense Devils crowd I ever remember. I'm not sure they're going to be able to duplicate that at, in any of these next home games, to be honest. 
because the Rangers bring out the, the best and worst in, in, in opposing fans. And and because of 18 years of, of, of hearing the Matteau nonsense and Marty's done everything but beat the Rangers on his way to winning a Stanley Cup, it, that's all gone now. Like, 1994 now means absolutely nothing. So whenever a Ranger fan says Matteau, 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 just like you said, it's Henry, Henry, Henry now. And, and you just can, you can laugh in their pathetic faces. So... That, to me, is why that was probably, the, to, to me, the most incredible moment in the history of the franchise, despite three other cups, including one in overtime. And that's why, uh, despite what a lot of these, these uh, pundits are saying about this being a quick series and, and, and the, uh, the Kings winning it very quickly, I don't buy into that at all. I think the Devils are playing the hottest hockey. They were the only team to come in on a six-game winning streak to start off the playoffs. They, they, they are the true hottest team. In, in the National Hockey League right now, and I really think they're going to take uh, take care of it this final. Yeah, I mean, you come into the, the finals and you just don't want an emotional letdown because you just had a a very emotional series against the Rangers, sir. And then you you know you're playing the Kings now, but this is for the Stanley Cup. You can't let you know you have to get up for this game uh, this series too. This is for the Cup, you know what I'm saying? So the Kings they come in, they've been on a, what it feels like a month long rest, and the Devils have about four or five days, which I like. I think it's important that the Devils come out with high energy tonight, set the tone quick because, well, not quick because that's their goalie, but they set the tone and they're able. To, I, I think that it's going to be important for the Devils overall in this series to win their home games. Yes, that's good. I mean, considering that that, uh, that that LA has not lost on the road, you're absolutely right. I think not only I think they have to win the first two, Joe. I don't think they they can they can be content with the split. They have to come. They have to come out. And they have to win both of these games uh, on, on on Wednesday tonight, and then of course on Saturday night too. So uh, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be able to, to to derail this team that hasn't lost on the road and then everybody's high on now, you got to win at home and end their, their their road winning streak. And that's that's exactly what I expect is going to happen. I I honestly, you know, and and, and, the, and the ironic thing too is, I wasn't sure if you you pointed this out to me, but. In, in two of the other Devils' runs to the Stanley Cup Finals, 1995 against Detroit and in 2003 against the Ducks, they, the, those two teams were both 12-2, and two, as are the, the Kings right now. And we all know what happened in 95. They sweep them, and then it took seven to win against the Ducks and J.S. Shigier, who was playing sort of like Jonathan Quick is playing right now. So uh, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they, they come in and they, and they take the first two. But I really do think they're going to have to if they're going to if they're going to win this series because of the way the Kings play on the road. Now this is like a cross country you know matchup you know L A and New Jersey. Does the two two one 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 format for this finals uh, favor any team? It favors it definitely favors the Devils I think because you don't want to I, I wouldn't I, let's just say that they're, they're, that somehow this is a two two series after Game Four. Which I wouldn't be surprised at all if the if the home teams won all four of the first four games. Uh, that that would if it were two three two, it would give a big advantage to the Kings to have that fifth game at home. That's why I like the two two one one one. And uh, you know there was a time where uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, the team with the higher seed could make the decision on a two three two, but now it's mandatory two two one one one. And I think that's big for the Devils right now to come come home if they have to come home for a game five tied at two. I would much rather be playing that game at the Rock than at the Staples Center for sure. Right now, do you think um, do you think that Quick is uh, a goalie that's going to be like a great goalie, like a Bordeaux in his career, or he's as he, as he just 
caught fire at the right time? And is he, a, uh, um, you know, is his success because of the system that the Kings play? Well, it, it, this is a weird situation, Joe. Uh, I haven't seen many Kings games, but uh, you know, there have been so many goalies who I've seen over my over my like work for the for the National Hockey League who have had one years uh, had years like this. You know, Jaguar is one of them. You know, he had that 2003, and then he barely was heard from again. Uh, a guy like Robert Ash who played for the Flyers, or or Brian Boucher who played for the Flyers in 2000 and 2009. Uh, who brought them to the finals in 2009. You know, like there, 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 sometimes you see these goalies who have these one-year runs for the ages, and then you never hear from them again. So I, I don't know enough about this uh, about this Kings team to say, yeah, he should be one of the best. But the, the bottom line is, I mean, the guy is a, this is the guy who is a, is a candidate for the Vezina Trophy. So the, the sports writers had to see something if this guy's getting a nomination to be in the top three goals of, uh, of the year. So my, my sense, uh, even though I have no expert opinion on this whatsoever, is that he, might, he he's probably the real deal, and you'll see that. That said, you also get a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, who has these wonderful, wonderful regular seasons and still hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So uh, it, that's why sometimes judging goaltenders is such a difficult thing, because you can say – one quest is, is, is a fantastic goalie, yet he still hasn't ever won the the, the, the treasure, and, so, and I'm not sure he has. So what kind of expert are you getting on this show? This guy, he just said he's not an expert. This guy, how, Canessa, how is it that you have not watched every single game of hockey of every team? That's what I want What kind of expert? You should be watching every hockey game on all 32 teams. How is that even possible? The, how, how, the last, how is it that you come on this show and you don't know every single player in the NHL? Listen, the last time I heard your voice, you were like three-quarters of, 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 of a mile away from the, the microphone and the phones, so you were probably on your way to the bathroom or checking your Twitter. Kev, don't worry about him. I just got two quick questions before we let you go. Give me your prediction okay. before the series starts. What do you think? All right. I, I hate predictions because I, I, I get mad at people who pick against the Devils, but I'm going to go Devils in five. I want them to win it all. Wow! Wow! And I'm gonna—I mean, I'm gonna be a little bit more um, not realistic, or I, I just think that the, it's gonna be a long series. I think the Devils are gonna win in seven. The fact that they have home ice advantage is huge. I think so. I think the Devils are gonna win in seven. I know it's gonna be gut wrenching for you to watch that seventh game, Kev, but I think they—they they pull it out and they win it in seven. I'm not gonna say overtime or anything like that, but I think the Devils do win in seven. And two quick questions, and then we'll let you go. If if the Devils do win their fourth cup, does Brodeur retire? And then the second question, real fast, uh, does Zach Parisi get resigned? Brodeur says he he's he's aiming toward another season. I think he'd be a fool to come back if they win the cup. You gotta be you, you gotta do like Tony Larusa, and go out on top, win your championship, and 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 retire. I, I it, it would I wouldn't be disappointed if he came back for another year, but I think he should because it would be great to retire his number at the same time as they raised their fourth Stanley Cup banner. You know what I'm saying here? In, in, in the early part of this year, uh, uh, Zach Parisi won't talk about this. He hasn't said anything to the media. It's driving me nuts that these idiots who call themselves uh, Ranger fans keep bringing up Parisi <laughs> sounding with the Rangers. He's not going to the Rangers. Uh, the only team I could see him going to, other than the Dem are the Minnesota Wild, but I think he's going to stay, especially having gotten this far and getting a taste of what it's like to win. Why would you want to go to New York where winning is not something that happens on a regular basis? So I think he's going to stay. I have a, I have a question for you. Joe and I were talking about this earlier today, and I guess you could say this would be my, my quote-unquote 
last question or my only question when it comes to hockey. The Devils win. They're not going to get a parade in the Canyon of Heroes. We spoke about this earlier. How is it that the New Jersey Giants, I don't care what anybody says, the Giants have not played in New York in like since before I was born. I think it's been 30-something years or whatever the case is, and the Giants have played. The Jets don't play there. Not, they're really New Jersey teams, you know, and they have the New York name. How is it that the Devils, who definitely deserve it, who absolutely 100% deserve a ticker tape parade in the New Jersey, New York local area, how are they not going to get a parade? I have a feeling it's going to be a little different this time, DG. I think that I think that if they do win, there's going to be something different in Newark because they're not going to go to the Meadowlands. They're not going to do it at Giant Stadium, and there's really no parking lot to use in Newark because they're small and they're all over the place. So what I would expect to see would be something small uh, down Broad Street or maybe Ferris Street in the Ironbound section where you could get close, get intimate, and you can get Wait, your... your also, during, during the proceedings. Uh, no, no, no. The, the security would be fine. Corey Booker's already talking about it. He won't say anything about where it's going to be. But uh, the, the thing with the Giants, though, bro, is that you've got to realize the, the Devils are just a New Jersey team. There are not that many fans of, de- of the Devils outside of, the, outside of the state. So I understand why they have this breakdown in the camp here. But let's see. I, I think there'll be something in Newark. It'll be different. It'll be pleasantly surprising. All right, Kev. So we'll talk to you next week when we break down one, game one, two, and three, and we'll be previewing game four. So have a good week. We'll That's talk good. to you later. All right, Joe. Thank you. Talk to you later, Dave. Sir, it's always a pleasure. Yours, of course, folks, the one and only Kevin Canessa. I see we have two callers on hold, but unfortunately that is all the time that we have. So whoever is calling us from the 909 and the 201, Please call us next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Pure Gold. Got to thank, of course, Mr. Uh, Mr. Buccino, my co-host. Got to thank uh, Canessa for calling in, Kevin Canessa. Great as always. Folks, again, Tuesday, not Tuesday, Thursday, no, it's Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone.